Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings, and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom Estate. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Good evening, everyone. My name is Preston Washington. I'm your host this evening for the Gist of Freedom. Coming to you over www.blogtalkradio.com. Tonight we're going to be talking about a presentation made by the Gist of Freedom at the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, recently held a convention in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, while we're waiting on our guest, uh, I want to review and talk a little bit about recent events going on here, particularly in Washington, D.C., where a young female was shot to death after running through some barricades uh, near the White House, caused the uh, Congress uh, to close down for about 30, 45 minutes, um, which a shutdown was coming anyway. I don't know if she's, that's what she was protesting or what. Uh, also, there was a gentleman who burnt himself uh, to death in protest, and that occurred on the mall there in Washington. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, the government is still shut down over um, the Affordable Care Act, and uh, the uh, Republicans uh, demanding that the funding for the Affordable Care Act be taken out before they would approve a budget. And uh, failing to meet with an agreement with the White House as the President Obama had stuck to his guns in reference to... Uh, not negotiating, and why would you negotiate something that's already the law? It's the law of the land. And so President Obama is wondering, what's there to negotiate? Um, There's another crisis uh, joined to that coming up soon um, when the debt ceiling debate comes up. And I think that's scheduled for around October the 17th or 18th. Uh, this month, October. Uh, quite a bit going on. I'd like to remind you that these shows are available to you for free via iTunes at www.blackhistoryuniversity.com. And if you would like to join in on our conversation, you can do that at 
5552. Uh, so call in and let us know what you think uh, while we're waiting here uh, about the events going on in Washington, D.C. Uh, of late. Or is there something out there that I might have missed uh, that's going on that we should know about? Okay. I think my guest is here, and that's Mr. William Jackson, who is a STEAM, that's S-T-E-A-M, educator. Uh, good evening, Mr. Jackson. Good evening. How are you doing this evening? I'm fair to Medlin. Glad you could join us uh, on the Guest of Freedom. Now, STEAM, T-E-A-M, that's an acronym. Yes, it is. Uh, Our uh, listening audience know what that stands for? Well, basically that stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Mathematics. And that is an educational curriculum, basically, where you combine those elements to teach students. And it, com- it combines the science because science involves the scientific method, scientific experimentation, and hands-on participation in scientific learning. Uh, the technology aspect involves using various types of technology, not necessarily computers or laptops, but there are a quandary of different types of technology that the student can use in the classroom to learn and support learning from the science. The engineering part, um, I teach the engineering and technology part, that's basically teaching students how to integrate the arts and the technology and focus on different areas of engineering. So they learn what engineers are, different engineering careers, uh, how important engineers are to society, and how vital engineers are in the various careers um, that they have opportunities to participate in. And as I said before, the arts is integrated in all of it because research and data has shown that the arts allows for students to use different parts of their brain that they normally would not use during academic instruction. So it really enhances their creativity, it enhances their innovation, and it allows students to see other sides of their different types of abilities. So you integrate all of that. And, of course, with the M for mathematics, um, there are a lot of children in school, whether you're talking about elementary, middle, or high school, that are very wary of using mathematics. But through the use of STEAM, that's integrated into the curriculum where everything is hands-on. You're involved in different hands-on projects. So you can integrate and involve students in using math as well. So it's a interdisciplinary or multidisciplinary way of teaching students, more or less we're using hands-on instruction. So it's, it's more student-centered than teacher-centered. So hopefully I was able to clarify that. Yes, very good. Thank you. And um, you assisted the Gist of Freedom in a presentation at um, the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, which is an organization yep. that was established uh by the founder of Black History Month, Carter G. Woodson. Right. Um, yep. Tell us a little bit about the activities there in Jacksonville. Well, this year um, here in Jacksonville, they had the 90, 98th annual convention, 
and Jacksonville was very fortunate to have um, a solid come to Jacksonville this year. And the theme uh, was civil rights in America, and it involved the opportunity for presenters and educators um, of all different types of disciplines to present multiple workshops and seminars um, dealing with civil rights, black history, um, how to present black history to youth in the schools and in the community. So it focused on just, you know, the opportunity to engage people in dialogue, um, to provide the opportunity for people in academics to show curriculums that involve teaching students how important and vital black history is and that black history is part of American history. So you had uh, from Tuesday till uh, Saturday involved in multiple workshops and multiple seminars, and also there was a lot of opportunity in the community for people to, to participate and learn about Asala and why African-American history is important. And um, the um, presentation um, that the Gisbert Freedom presented um, that PowerPoint can be observed at www.thegist, that's G-I-S-T, of socialmedia.com. I'd like to yes, explain that. And, um, yeah. and what more can you tell us about uh, uh, that presentation or some of the other events that occurred there that our readers, our listeners would be interested in? Well, that, that presentation was an interesting presentation because no other presentation had the the format that Leslie participated in. Basically, what it entailed was providing uh, resources dealing with digital content online. So we are in a society, as many people know, where, where, where we are moving away from uh, a paper society to a paperless society. And there's a lot of information um, in paper or hard copy about the history of African Americans, but not too many people know that that same type of information is, is um, available digitally on the Internet. So with Leslie's uh, information and her resources, what we decided we wanted to do is we wanted to create a paradigm shift, and that involved um, a workshop where we integrated uh, Skype, where from where she lives and here in Jacksonville, we were able to communicate and present her information um, over the Internet using Skype. And not only did we use Skype, but uh, we used other software where Leslie actually, actually recorded um, where she was at, her information, and it was and is able to um, present it um, online as you were talking about. So here you have integration of technology, and not only that, but it, it was mobile technology as well. So, you know, you, you, you weren't confined to just one particular area because with us in Jacksonville, uh, her in Maryland, and, um, you know, able to communicate, record, and share information. Mr. Jackson, you mentioned that she gave that via Skype, S-S-K-Y-P-E. Could you tell us exactly what Skype is, and a little bit more about the logistics. Some of our uh, listeners may not know what we mean by Skype. Oh, sure. Skype is an application, a multimedia program that you can download off the Internet, and it is free, 
and you use a web camera. So that way you and the person that you're speaking with can actually see each other and communicate with each other. So you can see each other with video, you can hear each other with audio, and then and that way it, it circumvents the boundaries of, of location and distance. So you can actually see that person while you're talking. So if you can imagine, um, and I'll use an example of a Star Trek episode where, you know, you um, log in with someone and you can see them on a big screen and you see yourself on a big screen or on the monitor of a laptop or a computer. Um, in Leslie's case, uh, she was actually using uh, her cell phone and I was using my laptop. And what I did was, I um, connected my laptop to my projector so that I can actually project her image up on a big screen so that way those that are interacting in the workshop could actually see her and through the um, the microphone, through my webcam, they could see her, talk to her, ask her questions, and the same was um, was done with me as well and the other people that were involved in the uh, in the workshop. Well, wow, that was uh, quite a display of uh, logistics and using um, uh, technology. Oh, definitely. Uh, and, and it showed you that the technology is mobile as well. So that also put another dynamic where you don't have to feel constrained to a particular location so that you can have a more secure location or a location um, that doesn't have a lot of distractions. Yes, and... Um, for our listeners out there who might be interested in doing presentations, there was quite a bit of money saved here in airfare and hotel expenses for Miss Guest in terms of being a presenter at that convention. Uh, she in Maryland and you guys in Florida. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and it's whole presentation. Right. And the, the good thing about that also is you know, before you really engage in something like that, it's always a good idea uh, to practice first. So that way you meet up a couple of times first and you talk about the available technology so that you can coincide it with, with what you have. So in, in Leslie's case, um, because she was mobile, she used her cell phone. She downloaded the Skype application to her phone. But she also was able to connect with her um, her laptop, I believe, and record the presentation, which she could show later. But at the same time, as we were talking, we were also sharing what we were doing with those that were attending the workshop. So here, you know, you have the opportunity to create something that was different, but use technology that that had been around for a little bit, but but that had not been used in the Osala. Um, at the Asala Convention at that level. So it, so it did generate a lot of interest, and as you said, it opens up a lot of opportunities to save um, time and money and travel because you're able to now to connect with somebody, whether it's hundreds or thousands of miles away, all you need is a direct connection to the Internet. Exactly. Now, did you say she was in her car when she was making this presentation? Was she yeah, wired she was, up? In the car? She was in her car um, to make sure she had a secure location, so that way she wasn't distracted or interrupted or anything. And um, as she was talking, you know, she explained that, that the reason was um, that way she had the flexibility of uh, being at the presentation, um, not being 
disturbed by any outside um, sound or outside movement or anything. Now, what if a hotspot or a Wi-Fi wasn't available? Then what happened? Well, now, that case, uh, in her case, that's why she was using her phone, because she did have the wireless access uh, through her phone. So if, you know, any phone, uh, whether it's, uh, whether you have the Windows application or whether you have the, the iPhone or whether you have an Android can download Skype. And the majority of phones now have cameras, so that way you still can connect with the camera that's built into your phone and actually use your phone as a digital electronic device. And also, um, if I'm not mistaken, Skype can also be downloaded to a tablet that also has direct Internet access. Wow. Explain to our uh, listeners what we mean by hotspot or Wi-Fi. That's W-I-F-I, Wi-Fi. Okay. Your Wi-Fi is Internet access that's wireless. Let's say if you go into a Starbucks or you go to a Panera's or you go to a McDonald's, those type of areas provide you free Wi-Fi. So your electronic device will automatically connect and pick up the Wi-Fi signal because it's not encrypted or encoded or it doesn't have a password. Uh, when you have a hotspot, that means that you have a hotspot device where you would connect through your hotspot device to the Internet, and you can encrypt that or, or create a password on that so that only you will have access to it. So and, you, have, uh, you, know, you have multiple... Yes, sir. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so you, I was going to say, so you have multiple levels of uh, protection, multiple levels of security, and multiple levels of access. Because, you know, when, you're, when you are produ um, conducting that type of access to the Internet, you want to make sure that you have secure access so, you know, you don't drop the call or your transmission of data or information isn't slowed or stopped. Okay. And um, what is the name of some of the devices you would need to purchase or to have your personal Wi-Fi or hotspot? Well, as far as the hardware is concerned, um, any laptop that has wireless capability, uh, you would access the Skype website, and that's S-K-Y-P-E dot com, Skype, and you would register for an account, which is free. It would prompt you to download the software. So when you download the software, you know, type in your username, type in your password, and you would connect to the Skype website. You also have your web camera, whether it's built into your computer or whether you have an external camera that you plug into your USB port, and it connects you with anyone online that you are a um, that you have a guest friendship with. So let's say just like Facebook, you know, you, you accumulate friends and you have their address, they have your address, but it's the same principle on Skype. So you're able to video call them, they connect with the call, and their camera will be activated, your camera will be activated, and you'll be able to see each other um, via video and hear each other via audio. And that's with the hardware. So that's with a laptop or a desktop. Now, if you're using a phone, it's basically the same thing. You download the application to your computer, um, excuse me, to your phone, um, you access it on the web, 
And then it uses the software, your operating software of your phone, to connect Skype with your camera in your phone. So that way when you're looking at each other, it's like, hey, you know, I can see you. How are you doing? And then you would put your phone on speakerphone so that way you can see each other and also hear each other. And it becomes ultimately a mobile device. Now, there's other software um, that's like that. Um, Some of our listeners may be aware there's uh, another software that's a social media platform called Let me cut in just a moment here, Mr. Jackson, and let our readers know that uh, I wanted to, uh, listeners, I'm sorry, that uh, Leslie uses a a wireless card uh, by Verizon. Uh, If you have a Mac, uh, Mac calls them airports. Okay, yeah. Is what they use. Um, Now, you were speaking of other applications. I think you mentioned Tango. Yes, um, Tango is an application also that you can download to your computer, um, excuse me, to your cell phone, and it also works um, basically the same as well. So you have Tango, you have Skype, and there there are a few others online. But professionally, uh, to get a more stable, um, get a more stable platform, you would use Skype, you know, first, and then you know for you know for other applications, you could also use Tango. Um, I would like for our listeners to uh, please visit uh, www.thegistofsocialmedia.com or and www.getmediatech.com as G-E-T media tech, T-E-C-H period, dot com and also www.gist.com G-I-S-T, MediaTech.com. And that's coming to you from, uh, uh, presented by the Gister Freedom. And uh, audio rock, uh, podcasters, please give us a like at the Gister Freedom. Um, now, you were mentioning other applications. What about the application Hangouts uh, coming through Google? I haven't had the opportunity to use um, Hangout, but that is another alternative um, that you could use. So it's dependent on your your level of expertise, your comfort, and your knowledge with um, using social media platforms like that. And it opens up a a great opportunity for educators to use in the classroom because if you want to bring in a guest to your classroom and they're of some distance away, and you want them to give a presentation in your classroom to your students, this opens up the possibility where you can connect through traditional means, either by email or regular phone call, and then you can have them um, access, you know, your class with them at a particular time. So um, you can have a discussion on any subject area with experts in those particular fields. So it opens up a great window um, to expand the teaching and instruction in the classroom. A lot of people in the medical community um, are using this, particularly specialists, when they're looking at um, particular medical cases. So if you're studying um, someone that has cancer and they need a second opinion or third opinion or what have you, um, if you're, let's say, here I am in Jacksonville, Florida, and I need a second opinion on a a medical procedure or something um, that I need information about so I can Skype or Tango or meet up with, you know, a medical professional in California or Texas or uh, wherever, 
you know, I need to talk to that person. Yeah, and um, let me uh, segue over into a question about mobilizing uh, a block talk radio show. Uh, could you connect a microphone to your smartphone and broadcast live on site? Uh, you wouldn't have to connect a microphone um, because a lot of the microphones that um, that are built into cell phones are pretty good. So even if you put it on speakerphone, a lot of them are very sensitive So and, and they are relatively clear. So when you're talking, as we're talking now, I'm not sure if you can hear it, but in the background, I'm outside. Um, the weather down here is real nice. Um, I can hear crickets in the background chirping. The wind is blowing. So if you hear some ambient background noise, that may be what my microphone on, on um, my phone is picking. You know, you may be hearing it because that's probably what it's picking up. So, you know, it, it enhances the mobile technology part. Now, if I were to put it on, put my phone on speaker, um, obviously you probably would hear that, you know, the surround background noise uh, more readily. Okay. And uh, I want to remind our audience that a lot of the questions are coming directly from the slideshow at www.thegiftofsocialmedia.com. So the mic would give the guest of of being interviewed in a traditional kind of way. Is that... uh... Right. Now, if I was on my laptop or a desktop computer and I was talking with someone, then we would probably um, go ahead and use a microphone. But if you're using a camera, um, a webcam, and it's, and it's an external webcam, the sound quality and the microphone quality is pretty good. Um, the advances in technology um, just are so overwhelming. It's kind of like almost, you know, stereo sound. You can really pick up the sound around you and and or that particular person that's talking. So it cuts down on the, um, the external devices that you will need. And even though they're small, the mics are very sensitive so that you can actually really engage multiple people in a conversation. So I'll give you an example. Um, during our presentation, there were uh, three other young ladies in the presentation. Uh, two of them were from Washington, D.C. They actually flew down. Uh, one young lady, if I remember correctly, was from New York. So they were physically in the room. With Leslie being off-site, um, I had my video camera or my, my web camera focused on the panel while they were talking. And then when it was Leslie's turn to give her presentation, from the Internet, I pulled up her PowerPoint presentation, which was saved in Google Documents. So I had her presentation running. I had my webcam focused on the presentation on the big screen. So as she was talking through the camera, she was actually seeing her presentation. I was manually advancing the slides so that way she can see each slide and talk about each bullet point. And as the audience watching, the audience could hear her through the speakers I had set up. They could see her up on the big screen TV. Not only could they see the presentation itself, but there was um, the capability to actually see her in a video box 
that was right up on the screen too. So here you have her information, her picture, which was video, so they could see her, hear her, and be involved in the presentation. And if they had questions, um, they could ask questions, and Leslie could hear them and answer questions as well. So here you have a full multimedia presentation, full involvement by the audience, and um, the only, I would say the only weak part about that was just that myself advancing the slide. But you could circumvent that if you're familiar with PowerPoint by setting each slide to advance at a certain amount of time. And all that would require just you practicing and knowing at what time each slide would go. So you can actually be, you know, almost independent except for just the actual setup. Okay. If someone wanted to record that event, would they need uh, – and that was a very excellent point. I uh, really Thank appreciate you. that. Um, would a person need an external drive? And let our listeners know what we mean by external drive, what it is, and why is it important for mobile social okay. media. Well, an ex external drive is, is an external hard drive, and there are two types. There are the little flash drives that you plug in the USB port that you can buy from, you know, a, a store or a computer store. Um, the external hard drives are also the larger hard drives that are of a tetrabyte size or even larger size that hold even more information. So if you have a PowerPoint presentation that, that you know, in, in size-wise, if you have video involved with it, um, if you have audio involved, um, if you have movies, it may be too large to save on a flash drive, so you can save it on an external hard drive and play it and store it continuously. So you can add additional information on your external hard drive. The good okay, thing so about having it... No, go ahead, continue. Okay. Um, the good thing also about an external hard drive is that everything that's on your computer and, you know, everything that we save on our computers are in the My Documents folder. So you can back up all your information from your laptop or your desktop computer on an external hard drive, which is always a good idea anyway because there's so many viruses and malware and spyware, um, and you never know your antivirus software may not even pick it up. So it's a good practice to get an external hard drive and everything that you have on your computer, like every Friday evening, you know, have it set up where it saves it automatically and backs up everything. So in this case, you know, you have all your information saved, you have it backed up. So if you get a virus or something happens, you won't. You may lose it on that computer, but if you have it backed up on your external hard drive. Thanks. Okay. Uh, and, so uh, the, the videos take up uh, uh, a lot of space, more uh, more space than other data might take up. Exactly, yes. The video takes up more space because you have the video, you have the audio, and most video is maybe like three to five minutes long. And But if you have multiple videos, of course, that's going to take up multiple, you know, more space. So it is always a good idea to have um, a presentation on an external hard drive. So that way it's secure, you keep up with the drive. And you may go to a presentation or you may go to a conference and their system may not be compatible with your system, but if you have your presentation on an external hard drive, that's versatile. So that way, let's say if you have a Dell computer, 
and somebody has an IBM computer or whatever, um, usually external hard drives can fit on basically any type of machine. The, the only and problem you may have is if you're using a Mac as opposed to Windows, but, you know, most places are prepared for that. You mentioned that Leslie was streaming uh, live on YouTube. Now, how does that work? Well, when you're using YouTube, um, there is an application that you can, uh, through YouTube, there's a couple of applications through YouTube that you can use where you can record what you're doing as well. And YouTube is, is you know, is a dynamic program because it's online, it's free, you record information, you upload it to YouTube, and it saves it in YouTube so that way millions of people have access to that information. So as a, uh, a business tool or an instructional tool, with it being another social media platform, it's free, you register, you create a YouTube channel, and when you create the channel, you give it a name of your channel. So uh, you may give it your name, your business name, or whatever name you desire, but once you create that channel, you can upload videos to that channel. And do once you have you upload to, do you have to have sure. a certain number of subscribers to use their live uh, stream platform, YouTube? No, well all you have to do is, is just register with YouTube and you create that channel. And anybody can subscribe to your channel, anybody in the world. And that's that's the beauty of it. There's there's really no limitation. And once you subscribe, let's say you Leslie has a YouTube channel and everyone that's listening now, and I encourage them to do this, subscribes to her YouTube channel. Well, anytime she updates, anytime she updates information to her YouTube channel, they will get an email message saying new information has been uploaded, and they can go and see what that information is. They can go see what that video is. And since the information there is directly related to what she is doing, People that are interested in that type of content already, you know, automatically know, hey, this is something I need to go see. This is something I may be able to use. And the beauty of it also is that when the information is uploaded, there are links that people can click on to actually link that information to their site or to other sites, and you can actually share it. Okay, so let me jump, a, let me okay. jump in here, Mr. Jackson. Um I'm getting feedback here that YouTube uh, requires one to have at least 100 uh, subscribers um, before you can use that uh, for free. Um, now, well, actually, that's not always the case. Now, it may be dependent on the settings. Um, I know with uh, a couple of people, or teachers that I know have, that have been using it, um, when they created their YouTube channel, um, it goes along with your YouTube um, subscription when you subscribe to it. So if that may be um, related to a business component or, or um, the, um, what's the, what's the word I'm trying to think, um, specific way that, that YouTube is being used. So it's important to read, you know, read through all read through all the information to be sure that, that you have the right settings and that you're using it for the right application that you want to use it for. Okay. Well, I would like to, our readers, our listeners, uh, to know that they can visit uh, youtube.com 
backslash the gift of freedom. And uh, now, what about um, uh, video editing software? Uh, something called iMovie. Uh, yes, there there are multiple video. Ed- um, you have iMovie um, that you can import video, and actually you can edit it by um, taking um, certain parts out. You can do voiceovers. If you want to add music to it, you can add music to it. So basically, you can modify it and change it any way you want. If you want to, in the beginning, add a title, or if you want to record yourself as an introduction to the video, you can do that. Um, if you want to give credit at the end, there's ways that you can do that also. Um, on Windows machines, there's an application that comes with Windows called Movie Maker. And with Movie, Movie Maker, Maker, you yes, Movie yeah, Maker. Okay. And in your Windows computer, whether it's, whether you have Windows XP or Windows 7 or 8, it's within the Windows environment. So it's not like it's an extra program. It's already installed. So you can actually import video that you've taken with a video camera, and you can change the um, you can change the format. So just for example, you may have a format that's an AVI, which is a type of video format and you may want to change it to an MPEG, so you can change it to an MPEG format. Or you may want to change it to an MP3, so you can upload it to iTunes. So that software allows you to modify it and change it any way that you you would like to. Now, you mentioned MPEG. Is that different than JPEG? Yes, MPEG is a movie format. The JPEG is a picture format for online. So online you have uh, JPEG, you have Bitmap, which is DMP, and you also have GIF, which is GIF, and you also have one more called um, PNG. Those are formats for graphics or for pictures. For video, yes, sir. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. And for video online, you may have AVI, uh, you may have MPEG, uh, you also may have, uh, there's another version of MPEG, I believe it's MPEG 3. You also have, uh, let's see, AVI, MPEG, and there's a couple of others for video format online. And okay. when when you're creating a video, um, you are given the option as you save it what format um, that you want to save it in. And you can save it in multiple formats because if you're looking at a video through Internet Explorer, it may look different if you're looking at it through um, Safari on the, um, the Macintosh format. Let me jump in yes, here sir. again, Mr. Jackson. Um, uh, back to this iMovie, can you convert the iMovie, and the formats that you mentioned to a physical DVD? Well, actually what you would do is you would save it as that format, and then you can burn it to a DVD. After it's saved? Yes, after it's saved. So you would you would modify it, make any necessary changes, and then you would save it once to make sure all your changes are saved the way you want it, but then you can also save it to a 
save it to a DVD. And what software would you need for burning? Uh, there should be, in a lot of cases, with a lot of computers now, there are, there are different softwares. Um, each computer should have some type of software that will automatically burn it to a DVD. I can't give it like a specific software, but on 90% of the computers now, um, they do have software that that can burn um, anything, whether it's a video, whether it's pictures, whether it's documents, to um, a DVD. Would that be like a Windows Media Player? Uh, uh, Windows Media, right. We Media Player could probably do it. Uh, let's see what else is in on Windows. Um, some of the other ones right now. It's, it's, just escape my mind, but uh, yeah, for media play, to, media play would also do it. Okay, uh, I would think your students that you are involved with uh, are very fortunate uh, to have you as an instructor. Um, well, thank you. Um, very knowledgeable and uh, really got me taking notes here fast and furious. Okay. <laughs> That's to try to upgrade my own well, uh, uh, knowledge. Uh, I'd like to remind well, I, our I attribute it. I just attribute it, attribute it to just wanting to learn as much as I can because with me, um, I love to share with, you know, what I've learned. I've been blessed to have the opportunity down here in Florida to um, to work with Florida Department of Education doing Internet training for Northeast Florida. Um, I've had the opportunity to teach at NASA. I've taught on in higher education, integrating technology and social media. So I, I just, for me, I enjoy the teaching aspect. And of course, I'm I'm a third generation teacher, so it's in my blood. Okay, I'd like to remind our listeners that the Gist of Freedom has several book readings, and we get those from cassettes, and tapes. They're usually from out of print books, and are sometimes on cassette. Now, what kind of uh, Mr. Jackson? What kind of converter programs do you recommend? Well, on, I use Movie Maker on um, my computer uh, because that gives me a lot of flexibility and I'm real familiar with it. And the, the good thing about that is if I run into any problems, I just go to YouTube and type in how to use Movie Maker or how to convert or how to just about do anything. And that, and that there in it itself, using YouTube is a good resource. So all the information is multimedia. So if someone wants to learn to how to use any application, my suggestion is, you know, don't worry about trying to get a technical manual or some type of book. Not not that I'm putting down reading, but more people right. are geared toward the visual element and listening and hearing and seeing. So YouTube is a good site to go to to, um, to learn how to do applications, to learn how to do programs, and to learn how to, you know, use your computer better. And our listeners should be aware that there's a product called ION uh, that one can buy. It's a um, cassette converter, and you can get those from Radio Shack and uh, Best Buy. And you just pop in the cassette tape in the converter, and with a click, the tape is converted into an iTunes file. Oh, great. I'm glad glad you did say that. And that, that way... And, and this kind of leads us up into what Leslie and I have been talking about. Um, a lot of families doing family reunions have recorded their elders and their families 
and they have all this information saved up on cassettes, and they and they've wondered, well, how can I save this or, or preserve this information? And just as you were talking about that program that you can download to your computers and convert that to a digital platform, so that way it can be saved. And like you said, you could load it on iTunes and save that as historical information. And that and with the Osala Convention uh, this year, that was one of the focuses on preserving African-American history because traditionally in African-American families, history is passed down through storytelling, vocalization, songs. So as the elders pass on, um, a lot of that information is, is lost. So what I like to try to do is encourage families, if you're having a family get-together, if you're having a, a family discussion and you've saved it on cassette, Convert it, as you said, using the application. Let me, uh, let me jump in here right quick, Mr. Yes, uh, Jackson. Um, I want to remind our listeners they can follow this uh, questions from the PowerPoint presentation at www.thegiftofsocialmedia.com. And also, for some of the old-timers out there with uh, vinyl records, the ION product, will also help you convert those into an iTunes uh, file. Uh, again, excuse me for interrupting, but you were saying? Oh, yes, sir. There we go. Um, that is important that, that the generations of today record and preserve their elders' um, information about how, what it was like when they were growing up, um, what challenges that they have to overcome, whether professionally, economically, educationally, the things that they were involved in um, in the past that has relevancy to what's going on now in the present. Because, you know, families deal with different challenges differently. But as they overcome them, that wisdom from the elders should be passed down to the generations of the day so let's say, for example, we have a governmental shutdown. Um, what did the elders do during cases of economic stress and instability? Well, obviously, they survived because they were able to raise their families and take care of their families so that information can be saved and used as a perfect example of historical and educational information. So, you know, with digital access and information and technology, we can preserve all this history. Exactly. Um, I would also like our listeners to know that the Gist of Freedom also recommends uh, something called the Garbage Band uh, Program for editing shows and interviews, etc. Uh, do you, Mr. Jackson, have any recommendations besides iTunes, Garbage Band? Uh, the Movie Maker uh, and Windows. Um, also, just, just be familiar with the different programs that are on uh, your desktop or your laptop. Um, learn how to use, as Leslie was saying, it's important to learn the capabilities and the possibilities of all types of digital technology because you never know. You may be, you may be recording a historical event with your cell phone or you may have your laptop that has a built-in uh, camera and audio capability and something historical may be going on in your neighborhood in your church, at a community center that you're attending, and you have the opportunity to record it where no one else can do that or has the capability. 
And with the information that you're sharing about what Leslie has with the gift of freedom, a lot of this is involved with mobile technology as well because with smartphones and tablets and all those handheld devices, people can themselves be producers of content. They can themselves be um, their own personal newscaster, their, you know, their own personal anchor person because things that are going on in the communities and, and people's neighborhoods are not readily covered by traditional news media. You know, they want the big stories and the big headlines, but that information that's going on in the community, particularly that's positive, is important as well. So as we're discussing this, if someone sees something going on in the community that's good at a community center, promoting kids and learning and education, they can record it and upload it to a YouTube channel for millions of people to actually see what's going on and cover, you know, positive information or, or breaking information. Right. Earlier you were talking about family reunions, and um, a good way that uh, the Gist of Freedom would recommend is that uh, they share their photos um, by way of Instagram, Facebook, photo bucket, uh, that sort of thing. Tell us a little yeah. bit about uh, uh, how the Instagram works. Oh, Instagram is a great application because you can use it on your um, your cell phone. And, again, all of these are free online. Um, you can take pictures with your, with your cell phone and upload them either to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. So you're having a, um, a graphical picture taken uploaded online so that people can instantly see it and you can share it with anyone. So all of these interconnect together. So it, it goes back again to, you know, people can actually show what's going on in the communities, their neighborhoods, uh, things with their families, because this is digital information that's quick and easy access to and can be stored online. The beauty of it is that once that information is uploaded, it's there permanently and could be shared with everyone. Now, the detriment may be, and people have to be wary also, is that the type of information that they want online that, that they want everyone to see? Because once they upload it, it's there and it's permanent and it can't be erased or taken down. So that's why people have to be really wary because Leslie is excellent at promoting positive information, um, African-American history information, information that's positive and connects people and brings that, you know, that, that building of knowledge. So examples like that are very important. When I'm participating in any event, I always take a picture or two or three and upload it to show community um, what I'm doing in the community, what I'm involved in, how I'm contributing, and helping my community as well. So I, I encourage, you know, people that are, that are involved, particularly young people, to really get involved in the community and, and take pictures of what they're doing because also when they apply for scholarships and internships for higher education, a lot of those entities want to know, well, what are you doing in your community? What positive things are you doing? Where are you going? Who are you involved in uh, or involved with and what are you doing? So this is a good graphical way with pictures and videos to show, hey, I'm involved in my community, I'm doing this, this, and this. Yes, and um, there's another product out there known as CVS. 
which is another great resource. And uh, it helps individuals develop great pictures, and you can do that straight from your Facebook page. Um, there are a number of individuals who share pictures from Leslie's uh, Facebook page, Brown. and that's L-E-S-L-E-Y, G-I-S-T, G-I-S-T Facebook. And um, if you have this CVS product, you can uh, use that to posterize a lot of the great photos that show up on Leslie's uh, Facebook page. And uh, in addition to many uh, genealogical pictures um, that you might have of ancestors, uh, et cetera. Um, now, you said you're, um, you're based in Florida? Yes, sir, in Jacksonville, Florida. In Jacksonville. If our uh, listeners wanted to contact you, how would they go about doing that? Well, my blog site is called My Quest to Teach. And it's on WordPress, so they could go to myquest2teach.wordpress.com, and it's spelled M-Y-Q-U-E-S-T-T-O-T-E-A-C-H, myquest2teach.wordpress.com, and that's my blog. So they can contact me uh, through my blog. Uh, my email address is also William Derek Jackson at gmail.com. And that's W-I-L-L-I-A-M. Derek is spelled D-E-R-E-K. And then Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N. So it's William Derek Jackson at gmail.com. So if they have any questions um, about the different types of technology or even steam, uh, what, you know, what steam is and how we use it in my classroom, um, I'll be happy to any question, you know, answer any questions. Okay, and right now we have uh, we have three more questions. Okay, um, great. One is around webmasters and websites, um, like online magazines, uh, for instance, uh, ISSUU. And what's the importance of using domain names? Oh, that's very important because, and I'll give a per- perfect example. With the work that Leslie is doing and her access that she has online, that means that you have ownership of that information. If she did not have a domain name, um, if she just had a regular website that was located at one of the free sites online, then someone can come through and actually um, steal or plagiarize her information and not give her credit. Because she has a domain name which she pays for, and that domain name maps to her information, she has more availability to uh, manage that information, have ownership of that information. So that way, you know, no one can come and say, well, this is my website or try to change the site or whatever, because she only she has secure access to that information, and she can also give others permission to access that information as well. So, you know, it brings security, it brings protection, and it also validates what you're doing online as well. And what is known as Eventbrite? Oh, Eventbrite is is a free resource online. If you're having any type of event, you can um, load all your information in, in Eventbrite, 
and broadcast it out and allow people to come and register. So if you're having a seminar or a workshop or any kind of event, that way you can post all the relevant information on one site and actually invite people. So you can put links there, um, the how, when, where, what, who, all that information in one spot and pictures, and people can just come on and register, and you can say whether the event's free, um, if there's a cost involved, um, if you want to know how many people are coming, um, if you want to do, um, and the word escaped me at the time, if you want to um, RSVP, that's the word. If you want to RSVP, they can do it right from that site. So Eventbrite is, uh, is very useful, and you can modify it and change it for a single event or multiple, multiple events. So you can use uh, these domain names and Eventbrite to more or less brand your product right. or your yes. event. Yes, you can market and brand um, what you're doing. Okay. Are there are they connected to the uh, the popular social media sites? These branding names. Yes, um, Eventbrite, you can um, post using Twitter uh, and Facebook. The YouTube channel, you can post to Facebook, Twitter, and there's a couple of other social media sites um, that you that you can link to as well. Um, another application for blogging or online writing is called WordPress. So my site, My Quest to Teach, is on WordPress, so when I post content, it can upload to the Internet as I update my site, and I can have it post to Facebook, I can have it post to Twitter, I can have it post to LinkedIn, and a couple of other uh, social media sites. So that keeps people uh, engaged in what I'm doing, and also Leslie is an expert at using it as well. So when she posts information, it also posts to Facebook, it posts to uh, LinkedIn, post to Twitter, so people that are following her using those different platforms, you know, they all get the same, you know, they all get the opportunity to say, hey, Leslie's posted something different, you know, so I can rather go see whether it's a video or whether it's a, a text document or whether it's pictures. Okay. And uh, listeners should know that branding, um, what that means that your name is at the top of the search engine when someone types that name into a search engine such as Google. Right. Is that like Leslie Guest or Guest of Freedom? Um, If I put that in, her name comes up first. Right, exactly. Her site and And her information. Yeah. And it's also, uh, it's always a good idea for for the, not just the parents, but the youth that are listening to Google themselves, and you can go on to Google and type in your first name, your last name, the plus symbol, and the city that you're in, and you can search to see what type of information is out there about yourself, and also if you click images, you can also see images about yourself. So when I'm conducting a presentation or a workshop and I take pictures and I post it online, when I go to Google, I'll type in William Jackson plus Jacksonville, Florida, and it'll pull up information that I've blogged about. Uh, If I click on images, it'll bring up images and video that I've uploaded to the Internet. 
but you can kind of manage uh, what you're doing online as well. Okay, you've talked to us about blogs. Talk to us a little bit about e-magazines. E-magazines are another way to create content online, and it allows you to draw an audience. So if you enjoy writing and you have a specific brand, let's say my brand, uh, I, I, I teach um, outside of the classroom about bullying and cyberbullying. So I give bullying and cyberbullying presentations. So I brand myself as a consultant in bullying and cyberbullying. So when people's looking, so when people are looking for someone to give a presentation at a church or a youth group or a conference or a convention, and they're looking for someone to do that, I have branded myself as an expert. So they know that I'll bring valuable information to um, that conference or that convention. Um, let's say, for instance, Leslie is an expert in digital information, African-American history, um, black history. So she brands herself as an expert in that area. So people will equate her to the expert with that. And then, you know, anytime they need information in those particular areas, she's branded as the expert. And like you were saying before, in Google searches, she she's up at the top of Google searches for those areas, just as I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to end up talking a little bit about, since you mentioned Leslie and black history, um, and how William Steele, and the Underground Railroad back in their days used right. the highest tech uh, mediums of their day, uh, such as the physical railroad. Right. Uh, the railroad sped up the mail delivery. They right. also used the telegraph system uh, to right. get their messages to and fro. Uh, books, newspapers right. uh, were a new and growing popular a uh, way to get information out there. Right. A lot of having to be uh, written in code. Um, everyone had their own penny, uh, printing press, right. uh, uh-huh. small, compact, uh, easy to carry around, easy to... Right. Uh, so reading and writing uh, was a technology in and of itself. Uh, back in the day, and what we've been discussing is how that has accelerated uh, and, and explode. This information can explode uh, worldwide. And uh, again, uh, I think we're very fortunate to have individuals like yourself. Uh, this new technology. Uh, how do you think uh, Harriet Tubman and William Steele and uh, what would you? How would they use this information today? Do you think? Um, uh-huh. kind of well, there, well, there there was a quote um, that was real popular with Harriet Tubman that um, she freed a lot of people from slavery, and that she would have she would have freed more if they had known they were slaves. And the use of digital technology just embraces the idea of you can share more information, not just in a local area, but globally. And that provides you the opportunity to to, to match the information to a particular group or a particular organization that you're trying to communicate with. Um, yeah, 
Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, you know, what really amazes me is how they were able to connect and contact with uh, international abolitionist organizations. Um, that was quite phenomenal uh, back in their day uh, when there were abolitionists in Canada, abolitionists in Europe, um, etc. And they seemed to keep the information out there and kept people around the world uh, in contact with what was happening with uh, their efforts here uh, in the United States uh, to free the slaves. Um, now, in closing, we're getting ready to uh, wrap this up. Tell us about your experience at the ASA uh, convention, some of the highlights for you. Well, that was my first time um, being at ASALA. So it was a good experience because I had the chance to participate, like, in three workshops. And just the information, think about the teacher, was real informative because they had students, actually from one of the local high schools, William Rain, talked about, they were talking about how to enhance information for their students in the classroom. And... Hello? It seems that I might have lost uh, my uh, guest there, Mr. William Jackson, here on the Guest of Freedom. Yes, you did. Uh, you did, Preston, but hopefully he'll call back. Uh, William um, is a phenomenal uh, young man who is uh, here. He did uh, some great things at this uh, event on behalf of Just of Freedom. And what I was hoping you would mention, uh, the, the young lady who invited us down, which is Adrena Eiffel. She okay. uh, owns the company Double Back Productions. So she uh, is very um, influential as far as in digital media. She um, works with the Black Congressional Caucus, and she digitizes their stories in their own words. And um, so hopefully we'll get her on the show as well. Let's see if uh, William is back. No, he's not back. So um, I'm going to hang up, but I'm going to ask you, Preston, to talk about our guest for Thursday, no, Sunday the 13th, Mr. Northrop. And we'll uh, call Okay. And um, is that Thursday or Sunday? It's a Sunday. Um, are we talking about the descendants of uh, the author of uh, 12 Years a Slave? Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, Northrop was the author who was kidnapped in the Washington, D.C. area and taken to Louisiana and... Uh, his uh, descendant, Clayton Adams, is going to be our guest uh, this Thursday on the Gist of Freedom. Talk to us about his ancestor and also about the upcoming movie, uh, the Steve McQueen movie, uh, 12 Years a Slave, based on the story of Mr. Northrup. His first name escapes me right now. 
and uh, be sure to tune in. It'll be 8 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, right here on the Gifts of Freedom. And uh, Solomon Northrup uh, was his name. And uh, he was a man who was born free, uh, educated, uh, fiddler player, and uh, made a living by playing music. And uh, that's how he was enticed away. He was to meet these individuals uh, who were offering him a job as a fiddler at uh, supposedly a family reunion of some sort. And um, he was a violinist, and um, I should say, as opposed to a fiddler. Uh, but they used that as a ruse, the offer of a job as a violinist. And um, when he got to the uh, hotel, he was drugged, uh, rendered unconscious, and... Uh, We'll be talking about the battle between the liberty laws versus the fugitive slave laws at that time and uh, what his wife, uh, the trials and tribulations that she went through. Um, uh, by utilizing the liberty laws to uh, set her husband free after she found out where he was. And the liberty laws basically stated that anyone born free uh, could not uh, be taken into slavery. Uh, but then again, uh, more about that Thursday evening, the guest of freedom, guest, descendant of Solomon uh, Northrop, Mr. Clayton Adams. And uh, I want to say to everyone, thank you again for joining us. You can pick up this show on iTunes at www. Black History University dot com. Good night, everybody. <laughs>